Welcome to Energy Radio, the holiday special. It's fun to be here. And uh, today I'm joined um, by our executive producer. She's going to step uh, out from behind the glass and in front of the mic. Uh, Lisa, welcome to uh, Energy Radio's holiday special. Thank you, Matt. I feel privileged. This is fun. This is cool. I like it. <laughs> first time we've ever done this. This, uh, as, as I mentioned to you offline, this is inspired by uh, a, a former talk radio show that I used to listen to. They would do this as a holiday special and um, they would uh, bring in kind of their friends and, and, uh, and some family along the way as they rang in the uh, Christmas season and the new year. So uh, for our listeners, we're going to do that today. Lisa and I are going to chat a bit about the year in review and and then we're going to invite some of our, our friends here at CEM, some of our uh, team members, and we're just going to talk about the year and uh, what a year it's been and uh, some of the projects. And it'll be a chance for some of our listeners to get to know uh, in a bit of a better way some of our team members. So um, so let's just jump in. Lisa, what a, what a year 2020 has been. Uh, any, any kind of in, initial reflections? I mean, it was a pretty ho-hum year for you, I think, as a, as a person, right? Yeah, I mean, you know what, it's, um, it, you know, it was a hard year, I think, for most. Um, but, you know, uh, when you really look at it, I think in some ways it's a blessing in disguise because, well, at least for, for my family, we've got a five-month-old at home, so I was able to kind of capture some of those, uh, you know, moments that new parents aren't necessarily always capturing, so that was really cool. Um, you know, I think all of us have a better appreciation for that kind of family time and personal time. Um, and most of us, you know, adapted to that kind of work from home piece that uh, was perhaps a bit of a challenge in the beginning. But uh, I think our firm, especially, and from what I can understand in speaking with most, most have done a, a good job adapting to it as well. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, you know, it's obviously I'd like to get past it. So let's hope that the vaccine comes out very quickly, and you know, we can all get vaccinated, move on to regular life. But it was, yeah. uh, it was interesting. So you, be you became a mom this year. Uh, that's, I that's, did. that's pretty exciting and and so far so good you haven't uh, no no big stories to tell yet no no big stories at least i don't think so um who, who knows what's coming in the future mind you <laughs> uh no it's been fun you know uh you know all those moments that uh you maybe take for granted is well i guess you know for you as someone who has a few kids uh you know you've been through all of these stages but to see you know peyton roll over from you know her back to her tummy for the first time uh, the first couple of babbles of laughs and the smiles. I mean, it's, uh, those are precious moments. Uh, really, really cool to see. So yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. And they, and they don't, uh, they don't get any less of significance as you have more. They, uh, those moments are, are fun and exciting and I'm glad you got to experience a lot more than you, you might in a typical, a typical year. So, I mean, what's your sense in terms of the year and how perhaps COVID has affected our industry or, or some projects in our industry. I mean, we've, I think from my vantage point, we've been at least during these 12 months have been somewhat insulated. I, I think maybe looking forward, things might be a little bit different, but um, are there any themes coming out for you in terms of what's emerging uh, over this last year in our energy industry? I think the, the piece that I'm most surprised with is the acceleration of, I will call it the post carbon agenda. Um, you know, we've been doing podcasts here for a good, well, over a year now, but I've been sort of, you know, in the background working with you, putting some of this together. And I'm just completely baffled with the, some of the guests that we've had on the show that are, you know, we're talking about energy storage, we're talking about hydrogen, we're talking about RNG. 
And I don't think it's just because of the podcast, but just from a political perspective, um, you know, that entire agenda has has just accelerated over the last six months. Um, I don't know if that's in light of COVID. I don't, I think that it probably would have occurred, you know, other, you know, just, you know, regardless. But um, to me, that is something that I'm just extremely surprised with in our space. I, I didn't think it was going to take place uh, this quickly. Yeah, and I think there's probably some element of, hey, you know, the world comes crashing down and it, it in, in a lot of different ways and it causes us to kind of rethink everything, really, including, you know, the sustainability of our energy supply. And, and, and what was interesting in COVID as borders, you know, shut and we all, you know, stayed closer to home was I think sustainability was not only our carbon footprint, but also, you know, reliability and, and, and you know, proximity to power and distributed generation. And you know, on the flip side, though, I think, and I haven't really done too much digging into this, but I think there's been a lot of talk. The question will be, does that talk move to action and dollars spent? And I think there's been a, you know, as, as margins have shrunk in a lot of industries, I think there has been some, you know, dwindling of, you know, spending capital and making making decisions, putting budgets on hold. And uh, I hope that in 21 and in the future that, you know, that talk turns into, you know, that people, to use a phrase, put their money where their mouth is, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I do have a couple of questions for you, though, if that's okay. Sure, yeah. Uh, I, because we've been doing, been doing podcasting now for, you know, over that year, and we've had some really interesting guests on, I was curious to hear what your top maybe two or three podcasts have been over the, the course of the year. And uh, so, so maybe what's you know, the podcast that have been most maybe memorable and maybe inspiring to to you as the host? Well, uh, I was not prepared for this uh, question, but I like <laughs> I like that when people put uh, me on my toes because I'm usually the one putting them on their toes. And so, for for those who are coming on this for the first time, you just go to what I'm doing right now is I'm going on my app and searching Energy Radio, and it's uh, CEM. Uh, by CEM Engineering, so I'm just looking through the list. Um, you know, I, we've had a really good year. I, I, you know, I, particularly in early COVID, I felt like I was, you know, had the opportunity to do two two a week sometimes. Um, and so, so there was a lot of you know really uh, good ones. I, I loved our my time with uh, Johannes Escadero from uh, the RNG Coalition in the U.S. Just, I mean, we we connected on a personal level as well, so that was you know that, that was really um, that was really cool. Um, you know, I, I think we heard about some fun some fun projects with you know what the ISO is doing. Um, you know, in their uh, York uh, kind of regional energy hub, that was an exciting one. We at CEM are big on hydrogen, and we think there's a real future there. And, and so, the Grant uh, Strem episode 38. Um, that's a a technology and a business model that is is developing and um, if it takes off uh, that's kind of a that's kind of a real uh, a real big deal so so there's a lot of things there that um, you know were good podcast another fun one was when we had Jake Friedman on uh, from Schneider because yeah. yeah he was a fan of the show before he came on the show and uh, and so that was just kind of a neat uh, a neat story and and we have a bunch in the vault that we haven't uh, released yet I'm I'm uh, trying to rack my brain in terms of what they were but those those are some of the highlights that's that was a, a good question thank you for asking me yeah. I don't know if I can, you know I'll, you know you have multiple children none of them are supposed to be your favorite I think the same <laughs> podcast episodes <laughs> well and I have one more that might be easier. Um, 
It's not necessarily podcast related, doesn't necessarily need to be related to our, our you know, business or just, uh, you know, our, our specific sector, but you do a lot of reading. Um, and I'm always intrigued, actually, because you bring a lot of those different books and ideas into the firm. Um, half the time, I end up uh, picking up the book as soon as you've mentioned it, because I'm, I'm always interested to hear what you're learning about and reading about. And uh, there's a lot to, to bring to the personal development piece as well, which is great. So if you have, what, what, is, what is your favorite book that you've read this year and why? Like, is there a key lesson or something else that you've been able to take out of that? Yeah, I think um, the, uh, Natalie, you got to help me with the title. Um, the most recent Brené Brown book, uh, Lead to Win. Is that right? Lead to Win? Is that the name? Dare of to Lead. Dare to Lead. Thank you. Um, so it's not an energy book by any means. Um, it is... Uh, it is a book about, you know, leading in uh, in our day and age in terms of, you know, leading with compassion and vulnerability and, you know, building collaborative teams. And, and I, I love Brené's style. She's, um, yeah, she's, uh, you know, well-renowned renowned on the TED, TED Talk circuit, uh, but, you know, she's a trained psychologist and a, and a researcher and so she brings a real structure to her work, but but, but she's, she has this gift of being able to pull out the common um, the common themes and the common structures and it's just so she's got a lot of practical tools so in my own leadership journey that's one that i'm really trying to to embrace and and right now i'm reading um a uh, a book uh, about uh, it's a it's it's quite a uh, a book about uh, abraham lincoln and uh, it's called um i want to get this right i'm just researching it here it's kind of, of course i can't hear it's called uh team of rivals and it's about kind of the, the the lead up to the civil war and how he assembles this cabinet of people who were really you know um adversaries with one another and he through his leadership kind of essentially saves and transforms a nation and but he does that with this team of people who are all competent but rivals around them so i think it's 700 pages though and i'm probably 15 wow. percent of the way through so um it's my nighttime reading, so I get halfway through the page and then fall asleep. So, <laughs> uh, and it, on an energy, somewhat energy related, I don't know if I read it this year, but there is a book uh, I bought. There's a bunch on my bookshelf. The book is called Colossus, and it's about the the Hoover Dam story. And it, it talks about that, you know, if, if we talk about our project development cycle and how it's not for the faint of heart, and how long it takes. I mean, that was a 30, 40, 50 year development cycle um, it, it, to get that project. And then all the stakeholders, you want to talk about project stakeholders. Um, and then, you know, it's in the 30s in the heat of Nevada and they're building this massive project. And they did it three years ahead of schedule and significantly under budget. So uh, mm -hmm. check that one out if you're into anything big project construction or uh, energy related. Uh, it's called Colossus. Uh, great, great book about the Hoover Dam. So, um, yeah, good. Well, um, let's uh, let's get our first guest on. And uh, so we're going to I have my glass of eggnog here and uh, we're going to be calling in uh, some of our CEM team members and just chatting with them a little bit about their year. So um, our first guest, if we can get them on the line, is uh, Alex Quinlan, a project manager, uh, is part of our team. Uh, Alex, are you with us? I am. Excellent. Hello, welcome Alex. To, Hi. Welcome to the Energy Radio Holiday Special. Uh, first, first ever. Uh, you're our first guest. Uh, <gasps> first edition. Wow. Pressure's on, Alex. Pressure's on. <laughs> uh, 
So Alex is a project manager with our team and uh, she's done a lot of work with our EPC side of the business. Uh, so Alex, how has the last year been? Uh, a little bit crazy, a little bit fun, a little bit different. <laughs> you're, you're, you're balancing your projects and engineers on one hand and your two young kids at the same time, right? Yes. Yeah, the projects seem like a breeze now. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And um, talk to us about maybe kind of two projects you've worked on. One, you know, really interesting uh, for the Timmins Hospital. T talk to us about that project and particularly some of the, A, the technical aspects, but B, the peculiarities of doing it during, uh, during COVID. COVID. Yeah, definitely. So the... Simmons Hospital was a four-engine project, so there's two um, 285 kilowatt CHPs that we installed and two 500 kilowatt um, GA units, so kind of for emergency power and for global adjustment. So it's kind of a hybrid project in that sense. Um, so it's definitely been interesting. Uh, it was a great client to work with. They've always asked really good questions to help educate themselves on the benefits to the hospital, to the public. Um, and doing it all during COVID has definitely been an experience. We were actually the first project to fully commission remotely with Hydro One and do all of our testing via GoToMeeting. So that was <laughs> definitely interesting, but also starting to be very... Um, practical in the sense that uh, we all got so much more done and more efficiently from home rather than being on site and wasting people's time while we try to figure out little kinks and bugs that needed to be tweaked. So um, yeah, Hydro One's been very supportive with us along that whole process and it's been very successful. Their process has some pretty prescriptive witness points, right? That's kind yes. of what we're Yes, exactly. Typically, they have to be on site. They have to witness everything. Uh, normally, we would have to be on site and witness everything. So we were extremely lucky that our engine vendor and our technical specialists were on site during that time. So through video conferencing um, and having eyes and ears on site while we were at home was definitely a benefit and made it all happen. Cool. And, and so what are some of the benefits that that project is, is now, you know, bringing uh, to the hospital as a host site? So they're able now to produce the majority of their electrical load to keep the hospital running um, with the benefit of getting hot water for their um, hospital heating system. So they're offsetting their natural gas costs by displacing hot water. And also with the two GA units in place, so now they're peak shaving to be able to save on their electricity costs next year uh, when they'll be eligible for um, Class A global adjustment uh, rebates and things like that. And also if ever they get a long-term grid outage, they now have 1.5 megawatts of generation power at their site, so they would be able to operate in a black situation if the grid ever went down so they're lucky enough to be connected to two separate feeders on hydro one side but if ever there's the storm of the century again like we've seen in the past um, they will actually be able to keep the hospital running and kind of turn the hospital into almost a community center where people can come and stay warm and get the help they need during hard times so it's an extra redundancy for the hospital yeah, and, and Lisa, was that part of the, you know, you were quite involved in the early stages of getting that project 
you know, moved ahead and there was, you know, a great overlap between yourself and the project team and Alex leading that. Uh, but, but in those early stages, were those kind of additional benefits really, um, how did that factor into their decision making? Yeah, I mean, I think the project started as a, a CHP project. You know, we were involved in, I think it was 2014, 2015, and doing the detailed engineering study and, you know, going through clear result and the ISO and, you know, all that good stuff for the grant. Um, and then, you know, it kind of morphed into, well, what, what about global adjustment? Can we do anything there? And that's when the GA units kind of came into place. And then it was kind of just through, uh, you know, several discussions with the hospital that we said, look, we could probably actually island you and kind of uh, fit that definition of a microgrid if you think that would be helpful. And, you know, the fact that you're a hospital, the fact that, you know, this is a, a big problem that hospitals have, you know, throughout our, our nation is, is, you know, something that we, we thought we could bring some value to. And they hadn't really thought about that, but they loved the idea. Um, I remember presenting to the board and they just thought they couldn't get enough of that concept. That was just that resiliency that that provided was certainly a big part of what made the project move forward. So, uh, yeah, that was, uh, it was exciting and, uh, you know, really cool to see how that just kind of progressed and, you know, how Alex took it from me. And it was like a seamless, very, it was a, you know, seamless transition and it was great. Yeah. Cool. And, and then, Alex, you moved from, you know, saving lives to um, making refreshing beverages, right? T tell us about the other project that consumed uh, a lot of your uh, both, uh, you know, hours and mental space uh, this year. Yes. Oh, this is one project that started as a CHP job as well and just escalated and turned into a double boiler replacement job and then adding... Um, process steam lines to their system and it, the project just kept growing and growing and growing. Um, so we're thankful for that definitely. It's been one of a, it was a brownfield job so we were trying to uh, replace everything into an extremely small existing boiler room. <laughs> so it hasn't been without its challenges but it's definitely been great to work on especially mm -hmm. since it was quite local so fun to actually go out there and see with our own eyes more often than once every few months i was i was involved in the early stages and could have done a better job handing it off so i'll take a page out of lisa's book on the next job but uh, <laughs> you know really really a uh a chp kind of got us in but then you know as we unpacked it they said hey we got all this aging infrastructure and the job kind of grew um and and now I think Alex, they're getting basically a brand new utility plant, kind of in one fell swoop. Is like we're basically replacing all their steam capacity, kind of thing. Pretty much, yeah. And they're uh, we've done quite an overhaul on their electrical system as well. So it hasn't just been the thermal side of things. Um, they got some good upgrades on the electrical side as well to to host this new CHP and their new process lines that are going in. So. Cool. Yeah, it's been a, a good challenge, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we we engineers, we love challenges. So, <laughs> as you as you reflect, kind of on the end of 2020, and you look ahead to 2021, uh, Alex, what's uh, what's something that kind of bubbles to the surface in terms of you know projects or energy or you know even broader than that as you as you move into a new year? Kind of what, what are some closing thoughts as you kind of wrap up your year? Oh well, I love taking projects from start to finish so i'm hoping 2021 brings a lot of new stuff that we can develop as a team right from the get-go 
and, yeah. and take it right to the end. Those are definitely the most rewarding kind of jobs where you have a part in every little piece. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I think that's, a, that's be- in the best interest of the client too, is kind of that, you know, cradle to grave kind of leadership. And, and uh, you know, of course, you'll bring others in as you go. But yeah, that cradle to grave thing is, is really important. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for thanks for being our first guest on our first uh, holiday special. Um, uh, so it was, it was great to hear from you, and uh, we wish you and uh, your your family uh, all the best this holiday season. But but thank you, Alex, for for joining us. It was a pleasure to have you as a guest. Thanks right. so much. Alex. Thanks for having me. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And just and just like that, we have our next guest, uh, Mr. Igoba Ayo. Um, our uh, our lead project engineer and uh, project manager and uh, all around uh, good guy. Yagoba, welcome to the uh, Energy Radio Holiday Special. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Have, have, you, have you ever been on a podcast? How are you doing, Yagoba? No, first time. Thank first you for, time. Excellent. Thank you for inviting me. Finally, I was waiting for the opportunity. <laughs> well, then I must be doing a poor job of getting you on, Yagoba. We'll have to rethink this for 2021. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We hey, you know, we got to consider the option of having guest hosts. Uh, you know, pe- people to take my place on hosting the podcast, Lisa. Let's let's think about that in the new year. You uh, go, go I don't know about that. You know, that actually would be fun. That would be fun. That would be really fun. Um, so you go about twenty twenty. Talk to me. What what a year? Tell me about it. Yeah, yeah. It's been a it's been a roller coaster for sure. Um, yeah, very exciting. Uh, it was a great year. Uh, I think in overall. Um, I mean, without considering other aspects of it, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, from our end, but it was a very good year. Um, so, what did we do? Uh, I mean, I've been in charge of project mainly, um, and uh, so was uh, the construction and commissioning of it. And you know, it's it just coincided that we we basically finish it right at the end of the year so it's a it's a great finish <laughs> so, so talk give us a little bit of the rundown on on that project um in terms of you know what type of site is it and then talk us through um kind of yeah some of the technical peculiarities some of the project drivers you know you've been living and breathing this project and i think our listeners want to hear a bit about, you know, um, it's it's a fascinating project as far as I'm concerned. So talk to us a bit about it. All right. So, yeah, so the project that started, uh, I mean, long time ago uh, on Martin's mind, that's been that's been a long time. Uh, but myself, I got involved after we did a preliminary study for them uh, with the possible solutions. And uh, I got involved right after that. Uh, doing a front-end engineering design, right? So uh, at that time, the idea was to to evaluate the risks to the project and confirm that everything is going to be good before we start with the details. So that was two years ago, uh, two two and a half years ago now. Uh, so you know, I, I've seen the project going from from that start to uh, at some point being almost cancelled because the results they weren't you know aligned with with uh, the client vision and then somehow we recovered it we rethought the whole thing we went back to the whiteboard think the new concept 
finally, we got the project approved and the scope defined. And then we, I did the transition from that feed to detail design. Uh, that was two years ago. We did the detail engineering. Uh, we finished it. I start the construction about a year and a half ago. Then construction started, uh, and now we are finishing. So, anyway, that's kind of like high level. The the last, uh, I guess, the project timeline. Uh, what it is? Okay, so it's a it's a <laughs> it's a um, in a paper tissue paper uh, plant, and uh, I guess. Uh, the uh, particularities of the project for us, uh, I think it's the first time we did a Titan 130 turbine, which is a 15 meg turbine. So pretty, pretty large for for the kind of projects that we've done uh, up until that time. Uh, so it's a Titan 130 turbine, and then um, we are recovering the heat. I guess one of the <clears throat> one of the special things that we have in this project is the way we are recovering the heat. So we are recovering the heat to produce a steam and then after the boiler, and I think this is unique, don't quote me on that, but I, I don't think, I haven't seen it ever, right after the boiler, before it goes up the stack, we are taking that, uh, I guess, low temperature or lower temperature exhaust and we're injecting them directly into the process for drying. Um, so that's that's pretty unique. Cool. So if it, you're blowing your nose or using tissue in some other application uh, in the near future, it, it may be done with co-generated heat. Yeah, I, and I should say we have nothing to do with the TP shortage uh, a year ago. It's nothing. It wasn't us. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. right. So what were some of the, you know, I think a project of this size in any year is uh, is a challenging uh, challenging project. Any any kind of you know unique challenges coming off of a you know trying to build this massive project during a you know a global pandemic. Um, you know you you made light of the toilet paper shortage um, and uh, which was real uh, as you say, uh, but but I mean there was other you know ripple effects. Talk to us about how this project was uniquely impacted by COVID. Probably wow that's a that's a good question. I mean. Obviously, it was a challenge for site visits, uh, you know, coordination on site. Uh, I believe at some point there were up to 100 uh, people working on, on building and constructing the plant. So, so I know that there were 100 people there. Everybody would have these uh, safety measurements, uh, sort of safety measures to get into, into the plant, like temperature checks, uh, you know, forms. I think I think the way that the project uh, site was managed was overall very good and safe. Um, you know, we would have a thermometer in there. Everybody got checked. Uh, everybody got, you know, a contact tracing that was in place as well. Everybody would sign up, you know. Um, so logistics was definitely impacted during construction. Um, but by the time that by the time that COVID hit, engineering was done. So from from engineering point of view, it wasn't that much of an impact. And, and the the site the site was shut down for a time, wasn't it? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, that was um, yeah. That was when the lockdown happened. I yeah. think it was April around April, if I remember right. 
so yeah, it was a, a, a shutdown, and then um, you know, I, I think the province uh, they've been trying to keep uh, construction ongoing, even even during COVID. Um, you know, somehow deemed to be a critical um, a critical business, right? To keep it running. So yeah, yeah, it wasn't a huge impact on that on that end. Yeah, I, I seem to recall it was about a month of, of shutdown. It was, but but they you know they seem to have recovered and that they did a lot of planning and kind of work offsite or prep offsite that they could to kind of keep things moving. So yeah, the, the other thing too was that I mean uh, a project of this size, we had people from all over the world, right? We have equipment uh, being shipped from uh, Switzerland. We had equipment uh, shipped from states um and uh you know other provinces so all that all those uh i guess people like we had commission uh, commission agents coming from europe right and commission agents coming from states so that was a little bit uh worrisome like right you're gonna have a problem with the with with, with crossing the border uh traveling um you know that was a little bit at some point, I would say like a huge risk to a project, mm. but I know everything ended up working out. <laughs> I guess they had their papers, uh, you know, sorted out, so everything worked out. Even even the cockroaches got in from Mexico, right? <laughs> 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 so what, you go, but what's one thing? I mean, you you spent a lot of time uh, in our shop and in the cogen world, and prior to. Being with us, you were part of uh, CEM España, uh, you know, back home. And uh, but I mean, what's one thing you're going to take away from this project as, as it relates to doing energy projects as you kind of move ahead? Is there a lesson learned that kind of bubbles to the surface? Uh, <clears throat> um, one of the lessons we we learned was in, in this case we we pulled ahead the building construction quite a bit. Uh, that was driven by season uh, you know seasonal constraints we wanted to have uh, the uh, boots in the ground and the first shovel uh, before the winter hits uh, so during the summer so anyways because of that we replanned a little bit we pulled ahead the, the building very early at a very early stage um, and that's that's pretty common right you, you always have this pull ahead work that you, for one reason or another, you need to pull ahead and you need to just go ahead with it. I guess um, what I learned, what I, what I learned from this experience is that each time you do that, each time you get any part of the engineering and you pull it ahead before the whole engineering is completed, it's always going to be something, right? It's only, it's always going to be a risk of. Uh, coordinating that, making sure that everything that you are building at this point of time, whatever comes later, won't impact it. Uh, uh, in this case, the building was very tricky. Uh, and mind you, we are uh, downtown with a massive turbine, right? Uh, so it's, uh, it's very noisy. And that was definitely a challenge. So we have this building that's like a huge acoustic panels everything is very uh, acoustically is very special and so we 
we basically had this building built before we finished what goes what goes inside the building, right? <laughs> so that was definitely a challenge to yeah, coordinate yeah. that. And I think what I'm covering for the next project is when we do this, we need to we need to keep an eye on, I guess, on that risk and make sure that the constraints are understood and that that that, that coordination, that pull ahead gets done, you know, without or I, I wouldn't say without, it's always gonna be an impact, but with minimum impact for, for the project. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks again for for coming on as a guest. And uh, we uh, we appreciate uh, all you've done on that project and as, as does the client. And thank you for sharing a little bit uh, with us. I know there's, you know, we could have a whole podcast just on that project uh, for sure. But uh, what, you know, as you as you end one year, you look ahead. I mean, anything, uh, anything exciting coming up, anything, uh, you know, any, any New Year's resolutions, anything new kind of moving forward for you? Kind of give us some parting words here. Yeah, but I don't know if it's a party. I mean, now, you know, it's always a project around the corner. So, you know, we're uh, leaving, leaving this one and, uh, you know, very excited about to start the next one. Um, and then uh, at a personal level, you know, we were expecting a baby very soon, uh, my wife and I. So that's super exciting for us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that, that's... Are you a member of the CEM family? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. right. For, and, 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 and and another stakeholder to consult with, um, <laughs> one that one that will be high maintenance in the early days. I can be I can assure you of that. So, Yagoba, thanks for joining us. We wish uh, you and Tara uh, very uh, happy holidays and a merry Christmas. And uh, thanks for thanks for contributing to the show today. Appreciate it. Merry Christmas, Yagoba. Okay, bye. Bye. Right on. Awesome. Well, um, from from big turbines downtown Toronto to uh, big engines in the middle of a Saskatchewan field. Uh, welcome uh, to uh, Energy Radio Holiday Special, Joe Pereira. Joe, welcome to the show. Oh, Hello, thank Joe. you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Happy holidays. This is great. Yeah. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. So this is your first kind of full year as part of the CEM team, right? Like you joined us kind of late last year, right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a little over a year and a, and a month in right now. Okay. Um, excellent. And it's been a, a, a kind of quiet year, I would say, for you, right? <laughs> oh, tremendously quiet. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So talk to us, Joe, a bit about what you've been working on. You've been uh, tell us about about the project and kind of what how it's kind of come together and maybe some of the drivers and some of the peculiarities of, of the project that you're working on. Uh, basically bringing, bringing in a, a, a nominal 72 uh, megawatts uh, of, of power. So it's a, it's a simple cycle project uh, with the potential for being cut for a future combined heat and power. So it's basically to supplement their, their power requirements for their mine site. Now the site is is kind of like their flagship uh mine site for for so uh this is kind of uh, uh something new uh, an initiative uh, for them to, to 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 have their own power generation and uh to kind of supplement or 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 uh, i guess reduce their their reliance on on uh, the power that they their uh, the power that they're getting from the grid 
Cool. And, and, and so talk to us about some of the particulars of the project, you know, size, kind of, you know, we love to talk about prime movers, kind of walk us through, through the project. Yeah, so so the the prime movers on on the project primarily are the well, not primarily. They they are the uh, uh, the the engines supplied by uh, by in, uh, turbo in in Germany. So uh, the uh, gas fired uh, engines. Uh, there's six in total. We have them uh, split between two engine halls, uh, basically a north engine hall and a south engine hall with the common services, uh, basically a balance of plants. Uh, uh, kind of uh, section of it, uh, uh, splitting the two, uh, uh, the, the the two units. Uh, we have three uh, engines in each hall, uh, mm. basically with uh, with the capacity for twelve me megabytes each, or so, and then megawatts each. <laughs> uh, twelve megawatts, kind of for each of the total of of, of seventy two uh, two megawatts uh, in total, right? Yeah, correct, and and there is future expansion on the project from uh, uh, from a, a future hall C with the addition of three more units. Uh, again, we each with with uh, with the, with the twelve uh, megawatts and uh, and uh, uh, expansion to to include uh, combined uh, 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 combined heat uh, with that. Uh, just to, to have uh, uh, sorry, CHP. Uh, just have the chp right so just to have the heat recovery uh and end of the end of the cycle and then to be able to provide that in the, in the in the way of heat back to uh nutrient for for their process at the mine site cool um great and, and so you know a large portion of our engineering has happened you know basically in the last 12 months um <laughs> uh kind of flying in the face of a global pandemic uh you know what are some of the you know, I mean, the project of this size is this size is challenging enough. You know, what are some of the challenges that, uh, or or some some nuances that you've been struggling through uh, in terms of COVID and and kind of how that's impacted you know our project team and our working with you know our client and the ultimate client. I mean, what does COVID mean to this project? Uh, I, I guess from COVID, like as you said, you know, it was uh, pretty big. It's a pretty challenging uh, project, definitely. Uh, now, I wouldn't say a, a stretch, but something that that definitely with uh, with kind of growth uh, for 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 us with with Cal and, and Nutrien uh, being what it is, uh, the project of this size because of all the different uh, uh, I guess uh, tentacles that go out uh, to all the various stakeholders. There are a lot of stakeholders, so just the fact that we're we're kind of in COVID lockdown, not only are we kind of uh, kind of engage with our stakeholders internally within within the office all of us are kind of in our own like little silos so to speak if we're working from home uh or or in our individual offices when when we were working uh in in office so kind of managing that internally but then with 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 everything that we needed to do managing externally within the uh, i guess within the uh, a covid environment and all the challenges that that uh, that we had with that i, I think we were one of the things that I guess uh, not really a benefit, but what we were able to do and accomplish is to be able to pivot and, and do a lot of what we would typically do in the office and with meetings with the client to be able to do it virtually. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's shown 
you know, is it ideal? Probably not, because there's always there's always something to be said about about having having those kind of interactions in person and 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 being able to to have a certain accessibility uh, that is in person. Uh, as opposed to doing it virtually, but but you know showing that with the perseverance and and having the right tools and 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 uh, and I guess organization and support behind it that that is possible to do it, not without its challenges, but you know it's it's something that that is possible and and we've shown that that is the case. Yeah, yeah, and it comes with all these you know challenges. I know uh, um, you know you've you've had to juggle. You know, you know your 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 family's very involved in the healthcare space and so you've you know you've been on calls and 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 dealing with your project stakeholders here and your 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 uh, your your other team members on a different team over here and you've done it uh, done it quite admirably so uh you know kudos kudos to you and your whether whether it's uh, the eggnog or not you're still smiling at the end of the year so uh yeah i mean i mean i i enjoy i think part of it is you need to enjoy what you're doing i do enjoy what what uh what what we have here for a project and what we have here for a team and then and just kind of with the, the the stakeholder engagement it can be challenging at times i wouldn't say it's all all uh, all peachy keen 100 <laughs> percent of the time uh but but knowing that you know there's there's the support and the team around you and and, and things do eventually get kind of uh, uh resolved and there, there are options you know when, when 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 you have a problem and you don't have options that's when you're kind of stuck but when you when you have solutions and you and you're provided with options then uh, you know the you can usually figure out a, a way, and that's that's essentially been kind of the premise for a lot of the things on this project. Because there have there have been challenges, uh, there has been you know things that that haven't gone you know to plan, or 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 I would say would be optimal. But at the end of the day, we you know we're 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 able to kind of work work through that, and and I, I mean I think I'm I'm happy, and I would say I'm proud with what we've been able to produce. I'm proud of kind of the results of the team. You know, in, in uh, everyone internally on our side, and then you know, obviously we 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 can't we're we we do not work on our own, and and we're working with with our other uh, all the stakeholders on the project. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what's that, Lisa? Did you want to chime in there? No, I just want to say very well said. It was uh, just a good kind of a great overview, and you know, just to, to highlight that you know projects they they do hit roadblocks, and it's all about solving those and getting past those. So yeah, that was good. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, no, speaking of COVID, I am kind of dealing, I have a knock at the door. I have, I have my kids are home from school right now as well. <laughs> well, well, well uh, this has been fun, Joe. We'll, 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 uh, we'll let you go be dad and uh, just appreciate you jumping on here and telling us about uh, your role into the year and, uh, you know, hopefully next year in our holiday special, you know, you're telling us, you know, about having been to site and, and seen how big the hardware is, and you know, I'm sure one of Lisa's uh, motorcycle engines could fit inside the you know, <laughs> Very one of the cylinders of these engines. But uh, Joe, we want to wish uh, you and your family a, a very merry Christmas, and uh, I, uh, please please get some rest, uh, rest up over the holidays, spend some time with your your wife and your kids, and uh, thank you for for joining the show, and and uh, look forward to another good year to come. No, no, for sure. I think that's definitely the plan. Thank you so much to to everyone. So yeah. Uh, happy holidays, and and uh, we'll see everyone in the new year. Sounds Merry good. Christmas, Thanks, Joe. Right. Care. Okay, take care. Bye. Do we have our next guest with us? Uh, Kevin, are you with us? I'm here. Hey. Uh, hey, well, Kevin, how are you? Hey, hey. Welcome to the uh, Energy Radio Holiday Special. Uh, thank you for uh, for joining us for a couple minutes to talk uh, talk about your year. Um, so, what's kept you busy in 2020 this year? 
So it's a sour gas plant three and a half hours northwest of Edmonton. Um, and they're putting on-site cogen there, um, make power and produce steam and basically make power for the site and export the excess and make the steam for the site. Mm. Um, so there's kind of two locations on the site. One is a gas turbine and HRSG site, which is two Titan 130s. So that's 30 megawatts there with the HRSGs behind them. And there's a lot of steam there too. It's um, almost 200,000 kilograms per hour of steam. Wow. Cool. Um, so yeah, lots of steam there. And then uh, kind of across the road, there's a there's a reset plant. So a 10 megawatt reset plant, which is um, kind of in the same vein as what Matt was just mentioning on the other project, the MAN size. I believe it's 20 cylinder um, large engines from Germany. They're CAT engines. Um, and there's a specific plant in northeast Germany making these things. I believe it's the first coming into at least Canada of this kind of engine, if not North America. Cool. The first for finning for sure, which is the local rep out there. Mm -hmm. So that that's been a couple firsts. You can you know, there's there's been uh, lots of back and forth as it's their first. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's perhaps putting it mildly. <laughs> uh, 60 to 70 transmittals worth. <laughs> um, yeah, projects, uh, projects gone well. Um, what, what's the status of the project? It's kind of at a certain phase right now or? Yeah, we're basically IFC, um, a few things on the electrical side to settle out yet. Um, and we're in a slight commercial hold with the anticipation of building, starting building in the spring. So and when's the, when's the project supposed to be completed, Kevin? It'll probably be about a year later, year and a bit maybe. So hopefully before it gets cold in, um, 2022. So the the gas turbine and Herzig are outside. So we want to commission those, um, not in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So that that's the plan. I, I I think it's doable. The uh, that phrase "not in the winter." We've been watching the Home Alone movies uh, in our in our house this Christmas, and I always I always think of that uh, that movie. But anyways. Moving on before I get myself in trouble. Uh, talk to us about the, uh, the project. That's a quite a, a different project, I think, in, in some respects, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the project is basically a complete plant expansion um, with all new balance of plants. So they're adding on to their powerhouse. Um, it's going to be, you know, all the equipment will be inside in this case. Um, it's a... Um, Taurus 70 gas turbine, so 8 megawatt, with a HRSG behind it. It's got fresh air fired. It's dual fuel, so we're getting one of those RMV burners, dual fuel. I think similar to K&S, maybe. Yeah. 
Um, and then there's a package boiler as well. So both are 75,000 pound per hour of um, higher pressure superheated steam that go back to their existing steam turbines. Um, all new balance of plant. So there's a fuel gas booster compressor. There's a, uh, a black start diesel gen set. There's all new water treatment softeners and RO. Um, feed water pumps, new deaerator, the electrical room. Um, and we do have a new fuel oil system going on the site. Um, a couple thousand liters of fuel oil in three tanks. Wow. So, um, yeah, lots going on on that project. Wow. And, and have, have either of your projects been uh, kind of impacted by COVID over this last year in certain ways? Um, I haven't really seen the impact. Everything seems to be largely on plan from equipment vendor perspectives. Um, most of the holdups on both projects have been procurement and regulatory. Um, of course, had the infamous two-year procurement holdup um, for buying the gas turbine and the boilers. Um, and, and they had a regulatory thing because they um, basically they wanted to export as well. Um, and that that took them on a two year journey of regulatory um, tasks. And in the end, they got shut down. So they're not exporting. Um, and just maybe a little more minor delays on procurement, but have impacted the, the engineering. Um, very key part to every project that seems to be a challenge on every project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. PO time. <laughs> right. So, uh, kind of as you conclude 2020 and look to 2021, I mean, any kind of anything of note in terms of, you know, kind of the, the projects or kind of some things you've learned in 2020 that you're going to apply in 2021? This is always that navel gazing time of the year, right? supporting the construction, making sure the project uh, com gets completed. We are um, we're going to have our, our drawing set um, in March here for, for tender and then construction drawings after that. Um, lessons learned, I think just, you know, ongoing where can we get better at um, that procurement side of things? That's probably the biggest uh, lessons learned put a few things in place to make that um go go a little bit better manage that a little bit better i think that's the probably on the for sure on the, the job that went fairly smooth that's probably the biggest area for improvement mm. procurement and working with the vendors once they get awarded try and cut down those uh you know 60 transmittals sure <laughs> Yeah, very good. Awesome. Well, um, let's stay in Western Canada. Uh, we have our, our next guest is uh, Dave Rorda, uh, our director of all things Western Canada. 
Dave, welcome to uh, Energy Radio. Not your first time, um, I might add, but uh, welcome to Energy Radio, our holiday edition. Good Hello morning. Dave. Yeah, good morning, Lisa. Nice to be here. Good uh, to have you. I'm trying to go back in our archives and figure out uh, when when Dave, what episode Dave was on the first time. Um, I feel like he was maybe within the top, uh, I could be wrong, but the top when I say top 10, like the first 10 episodes, I feel like. but I episode, could... episode 13, Let the Good Times Roll. Wow, not far <laughs> off. Yeah, yeah. So uh, anyways, good good to have you back, uh, Dave. It's been, uh, for a whole bunch of reasons, it's been quite a year, uh, 2020. We've had a, a global pandemic, um, and yet we've uh, we've had some significant growth in the uh in the Calgary office that, that you lead, uh, give give us some of your initial reflections on, on kind of the year and the year it's been for us and the year it's been for, um, you know, the energy industry and what's going on out there. Yeah, sure. We, we certainly entered 2020 with uh, four, I think, four larger jobs in uh, Western Canada. Um not quite sure how many megawatts. I think over 100 megawatts of projects, uh, you know, going into 2020, and uh, it's really made for a very busy year. Um, lots of challenges, lots of lots of fun getting those jobs done. Um, and it, uh, I think, you know, the momentum is still going on in Western Canada. I think it maybe has slowed down a little bit, or uh, I think it's actually changing in some ways. Uh, our clients, uh, you know needs and concerns are changing changing and we can kind of delve into that a bit more but uh certainly an extremely busy year uh in the power generation space um and the renewable uh natural gas space in western canada and that's a bit of a counter trend to what we're seeing uh you know in the in the oil patch and some of the other industries in alberta so it's uh it's been a, a positive thing i think in the alberta economy it's sometimes surprising uh, people are surprised to learn that we uh, we are expanding our office and you know, we we are hiring uh, engineers, project managers, designers in Western Canada, and it's uh, you know, like I said, it's kind of different from what we're seeing in in other parts of the Alberta economy. The, the Alberta economy is not just oil and gas; it is much more diverse. There's a high tech sector uh, growing in Calgary as well, and uh, I think C, CM is part of that. Uh, diversification yeah. that that rng piece dave that you mentioned um you know there's been a lot of discussion on hydrogen out west specifically in alberta um you know do you think this trend with rng and hydrogen is going to continue out west in general whether it be alberta or any of the western provinces for that matter yeah the uh it, you know there's a, it's been a bit of a flurry of uh announcements recently i mean the rng um, renewable natural gas, you know, has been kind of on their radar for a while, and some of the things that uh, governments are doing, particularly in BC, with providing, um, you know, favorable rates for renewable ga natural gas projects and being able to inject that renewable gas even outside of BC, um, that that's kind of been on our radar for a while. I think that that trend will continue, especially with municipalities and. Uh, who are typically very involved with landfills, um, sort of leading that charge. Um, I guess more recently, there's you know the national hydrogen strategies being released the last week or two, 
uh, and hydrogen has certainly been a discussion point in Alberta for a while now. There's a lot of hydrogen produced in Alberta uh, already in support of, um, you know, hydrocrackers, things like that at uh, refineries. So Alberta, I think, is in a position to, you know, to continue to lead in uh, hydrogen production and the hydrogen economy. And I think the other big piece is the, you know, the federal government indicating that they, uh, they intend to raise the carbon tax by $15 a year, you know, through 2030, which will get us up to $170 per mm-hmm. ton. Um, you know, those are, uh, those are big, big trends that, uh, you know, our clients can't, can't ignore. And, uh, and, you know, I look forward to, you know, figuring out what that means for our clients, um, you know, in terms of reducing their carbon footprint and, and reduce their costs and responding to that, you know, to those regulations. And in light of that announcement, Dave, and, you know, the fact that we've been very successful out west with some simple cycle and CHP facilities, where do you think CHP fits into this all? I mean, you know, if you if we look at the carbon intensity of the Alberta grid specifically, uh, you know, it's largely still coal. Obviously, there's a lot of retirements happening. Uh, you know, in your view, is it still a, a good news story for CHP at West or or what are your thoughts on that matter? Yeah, it's a great question. It's something I've been thinking about a bit lately is I think CHP is, you know, continues to be a great way to reduce uh, carbon intensity at uh, any kind of facility that needs both heat, heat and power, uh, thermal energy and, and power. Um, and I think that will continue, uh, but at the same time, the Alberta grid itself. So I think you know, cogeneration CHP is a big improvement over the carbon emissions of the Alberta grid. But the Alberta grid is changing as well. We've seen over the last few years. Uh, I think basically every coal plant has uh, has a schedule for either converting to gas or to to shutting down completely. So the, the grid itself is becoming less reliant on on coal. So the carbon intensity of the Alberta grid is changing as well. So I think cogeneration and also uh, just generation in general, whether it be with reciprocating engines or or gas turbines, I think uh, developers, uh, you know, industrial facilities and, and engineering companies like CEM also have to think of that in a longer term context, which I think will begin to include a, a mix of hydrogen in the fuel. So I think, uh, well, actually just, just yesterday I was talking to a client and, you know, discussing that as far as, uh, you know, short term, you know, a large reciprocating engine may be a good solution for your, you know, to lower your carbon footprint and lower your costs. But mm-hmm. we should also look at um, what, can that technology do in terms of burning or combusting a, a mix of hydrogen and natural gas further down the road? Does it fit into that kind of a strategy? Uh, I think that'll be something we'll continue to talk with, with clients about. One of the things that has so struck me as so interesting as we've served the Western Canada market is, and, and I've, I've heard the joke, you know, always that Alberta is, is the, the Texas of, of Canada and, and, and the implication, there's a couple of implications, but one of the things is, is that everything's bigger in Texas and, and so that, that carries over. 
and and so as I've been serving the, the that market and and more importantly, you know, trying to support Dave through that, it, 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 I get the sense that everything just seems to be kind of not only bigger, but there's just a there seems to be more of a mindset for you know power and for energy. And I guess energy, particularly when you read, you know, when you talk to people, energy means something to us, and energy means something different. It means oil and gas in, in Alberta. But I mean, Dave, do you have a sense of you know why? I mean, you've you spent a lot of time from in Ontario, and now you're you're based in Calgary for for many years. I mean, why is there more of a not only bigger that part? I think I get, but kind of there's a bit more of a project development and power kind of mindset in Western Canada that doesn't seem to exist in the same way as it does you know here. Yeah, good uh, good question. I think. Uh you know, I tend to think of things of you know just Western Canada, not so much just Alberta versus uh, you know other provinces. But there's you know a tremendous oil and gas industry here in Alberta, so energy is uh, you know a, a huge part of the economy in Alberta. I think the um, the oil industry has um, embraced technology for many many years. Um, and, and I'm, I'm certainly not an oil and gas expert, but uh, some of the you know the things they've done around drill, you know various drilling technologies, um, and uh, even early use of cogeneration, like even years ago, I think the oil and gas industries were some of the first to uh, embrace cogeneration, and and you know the cogeneration plants in Alberta tend to be quite a bit larger than. Uh, other places in Canada, just just because they have huge thermal loads out here, so oil and gas, uh, I think, has as an industry has always been very technologically leading. I've always embraced technology, embraced uh, change, whether it be you know change uh, in terms of regulations and being responding to that, or you know technology improvements. So I think the oil and gas industry is a real leader, and I think switching to um, Hydrogen economy uh, is just another sort of evolution of that. Is uh, is just another challenge that the industry um, you know, will understand and 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 respond to. Um, so I think I think change and and it's kind of in in people's blood out here as far as being able to re to respond to change and and. You know, quite frankly, uh, Alberta has seen you know lots of economic challenges and economic booms over the years, um, and and being able to respond to it. So this, uh, I think we're in another period like that. Cool. And that. Yeah, yeah. I lived in Ontario. I think that yeah, the dynamic is a little bit different that way. That uh, you know, I, I would never count count Alberta out or Saskatchewan out. I think they're going to respond to. Uh, you know the the need to lower carbon intensity, just like they've responded to other challenges throughout the years. Cool. Well, maybe Natalie, let's uh, let's finish with a roundtable. Let's let's bring Martin in, um, and then uh, keep we'll keep Dave on, and we'll 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 pick Martin's brain, the three of us. But uh, Dave, as as Martin is coming on, I mean, what's your sense of you know as you start to look ahead to to twenty twenty one. Um, you know, if we ask what's your crystal ball or what's your, your word for the year, or your goal, I mean, what, what do you see kind of in the, in the coming year uh, in terms of, you know, energy in Western Canada, things of that nature? 
Well, I, th- I don't know if I can get it down to one word. I think t- two things. I think uh, <laughs> I think the uh, you know we've talked about the national direction on carbon pricing. I think that's going to uh, accelerate the uh, transition to you know gas technologies, cogen technologies. Uh, I think industries that have been kind of sitting on the fence or you know kind of had marginal business cases as far as being able to do that. I think that'll accelerate that you know shorter term trend towards cogeneration. And I think uh, superimposing that trend and maybe a slightly longer trend is the whole hydrogen. Uh, economy. So I think hydrogen and I think short-term cogeneration, um, and then lo- slightly longer-term uh, hydrogen. And those are not mutually exclusive things. I think the if you're going to install gas uh, equipment now, you should natural gas equipment. You should uh, you know think about how that could transition to a blend of hydrogen or or even 100 percent hydrogen down the road. Cool. Excellent. Well, we have uh, our final guest has joined the uh, the roundtable, um, and uh, he's, uh, he's 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 waltzing in or waltzing out uh, through the doors of the studio here. Uh, but uh, we've uh, had our our founder and our newly minted vice president of CO two reductions, uh, Martin London. Uh, Martin, are you with us? I am audio only. Okay, well, welcome to the uh, inaugural uh, CEM uh, Energy Radio Holiday Special. <laughs> it's uh, it's a pleasure to have you uh, conclude our uh, our time together. You're on with uh, Lisa and Dave and myself. Uh, thanks for joining, Martin. Hello, Martin. Hey, Lisa. Hey, Dave. Good morning. Do you want me uh, vi- visual or just the audio? Oh, we'd love we'd love the- we'd love to see you and have the chance to read your nonverbals. <laughs> I just I just don't know how to get I don't know how to trans this tr- transfer this from my phone to the screen. Okay, well we'll uh, we'll send some tech support your way. But in the meantime, um, Martin, we're we're kind of collectively re- reflecting on kind of 2020, somewhat you know half personal, half half serious, uh, you know, kind of, but but kind of navel gazing on you know for our listeners, you know, picture the. Uh, the Mike Lithgows of the world uh, who are potentially listening to this, um, kind of thinking about energy, and we brought you on to think about, you know, what, where, where, where have you been in the last year from a post-carbon perspective, and where might we be going? So maybe talk to us about some of the, to the, to the extent that you can, some projects that you're maybe working on, or some, some planning that you're doing, uh, in, in particularly in your new role. So yeah, some of the exciting projects. Uh that I've been working on this year um, that are ongoing, actually. We're helping um, one customer with a, a 25 megawatt power generation project that by virtue of the changes that we're making, we're hoping to save that client between 30 and 35,000 tons a year of CO2 um, by virtue of achieving a greater financial benefit and yet running much less. So that's one really exciting project that we're working on. Uh, committed project. Um, we're working on a couple of biomass projects that will achieve um, CO2 savings of about 100,000 tons over their life, over their 20-year life. Um, and where, where do those savings come from, Martin, in terms of the those, those, Yeah, those come from actually uh, taking power generation off of diesel fuel, so no longer burning diesel in old inefficient engines. Uh, but using local biomass 
sources to uh, generate the same amount of power um, and no longer consuming diesel. So that's a, a really big opportunity here in Canada to use local resources um, and, according and, to the internet. Go ahead, sorry. Uh, yeah, are those jobs, Martin, where we're moving from, you know, di you know, dirty diesel to, to biomass? Like, what what are some of the uh, project drivers there? Is it economic? Is it you know, is it a feel good story? I mean, what's what's driving those projects forward? Uh, I, I think there's an acknowledgement by both the federal government and uh, indigenous communities that, uh, for the sake of the uh, environment, we need to stop using diesel fuel. That's one big driver. Uh, the and the second the second driver is the resource itself. That's local. It's it's a local resource. And the other uh, big um, opportunity uh, is uh, using local labor uh, to not only harvest the wood uh, but um, uh, you know, operate operate the, uh, the the power plant. So there's there's an opportunity for uh, getting more local em employment because there's more a little more labor involved with uh, taking advantage of the biomass resource. Um, so that that's a that's a, another driver is getting more uh, indigenous involvement. Cool. And then the third the third project that we're working on that we're really excited about is a is a hydrogen project um, where there's a potential for somewhere between thirty and forty thousand tons a year of um, of CO two savings utilizing hydrogen in a boiler instead of burning natural gas. So those those are sort of the th the you know the the three that we're really actively involved with. Um, and I'm particularly, I'm excited by all of them, uh, using cogeneration resources in a more CO2 effective manner, using the vast biomass resource that Canada is blessed with. And then finally, um, making use of hydrogen that's now being vented to the atmosphere of, of all things and uh, using it as a boiler fuel. So those are the three that come to mind immediately, Matt, uh, mm -hmm. that, that I've had the pleasure working on this year. So, so Dave, Dave talked about hydrogen, and, and you've talked about it, and I've I've joked over the course of the year that you can't swing a dead cat in our industry without talking to somebody about hydrogen. Uh, Martin, maybe maybe talk to us a bit about kind of that hydrogen economy. I mean, some some to me, there's some um, some out there that are cynical that hey, you know, we heard this story 20 years ago, and and you know, here it's back again. Well, why is it any different? I mean, maybe talk to us about you know, where's the hydrogen co coming from why is it different this time around like why do we see that as a big part of our firm's future yeah i think the the, the two big developments um if you compare then to now is that first of all the electrolyzer technology that converts the water to hydrogen uh that has that technology has matured significantly but I think the much bigger driver is the fact that since so many jurisdictions are deploying so much renewable wind and solar power, um, there's so many wind farms and solar farms that are not operating entirely at capacity all the time. So the opportunity to utilize solar and wind uh, <clears throat> when it's not otherwise being deployed to its maximum potential, using that to uh, produce hydrogen and then storing that hydrogen because that that hydrogen stores extremely well. So I think that's the big driver is, is uh, piggybacking on underutilized solar and, and wind projects. Hmm. And, and Dave, is that a similar driver in Western Canada on, on the hydrogen front in terms of how we're going to come about getting all that hydrogen? Yeah, there's a, um, a few 
points. I think the, uh, as Martin has um, commented on the uh, renewables, renewables electro and, you know, combine that with electrolyzer technology, you know, to produce hydrogen. I think they call that green hydrogen. Um, it's certainly going to be part of it. Um, there's also uh, some interesting technology in uh, Saskatchewan, I think it is, that's being tested as far as converting hydrogen um, right within the um, the uh, oil for, uh, oil and gas formation below ground. So they, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't ask me all the details of that, but they're able to produce hydrogen sort of below the ground on a large scale. And then there's, uh, you know, more traditional technologies where there's reformers and so on. Um, I think something you have to realize too is that the, uh, you need a, uh, a midstream infrastructure and distribution structure to, you know, to connect producers of hydrogen with consumers. So I think that's, uh, the, you know, having a national strategy around hydrogen to, uh, you know, particularly in that aspect, I think is, is quite helpful. But I think it's going to be an exciting time to figure out, you know, what is the right way to produce it. And that could be a combination of different technologies and different locations, developing a midstream infrastructure to connect, you know, sellers with users to, to enable that market. And then uh, probably the least challenging part is actually developing uh or adjusting technologies to actually burn hydrogen instead of uh, instead of natural gas. But those, you know, those are the sort of three challenges that I see. And uh, the, you know, the midstream, the midstream structure, um, part of that could be making use of the existing natural gas infrastructure. But there are there are unique challenges with uh, with hydrogen. Um, you know, handling hydrogen safely and and you know having the right kind of valves and metallurgy and all that sort of stuff to to uh deploy it properly but it's going to be an exciting time it's going to it will take uh leadership and an investment and vision by public and private sectors but uh i think the national government has sort of set the you know started to set the framework in place so i think it'll be exciting to see how it, how it develops and it's uh i think it can be a combination of the existing oil and gas industries renewable players equipment providers um, it's going to take all those uh, industries working together, I think. Yeah, and if, if anybody's looking for more information on how they turn old well fields into hydrogen-producing assets, a uh, little plug for episode 38 of, of uh, Energy Radio, where we uh, that Saskatchewan project, one of the one of the visionaries, was on the show. So, uh, thanks for thanks for highlighting that. Um, so, so Martin, as you look ahead, I mean, as you put your visionary hat on and and you know you had you had vision to adopt uh biogas uh 15 years ago and and now it's a uh, a going concern uh, across north america and and now you're turning your vision back to biomass and, and hydrogen and what, what do you see happening in the uh, in the next 12 months or so you know obviously all of us want 2021 to be to be better and and you know there's there's signs with the vaccine and with January 20th inauguration and all that stuff. There's signs that, you know, things are going in the right direction. But uh, what do you see, Martin, in the next 12 months in terms of, you know, what, what's, what gets you out of bed in the morning on, on our post-carbon initiatives and maybe some steps forward with projects? What do the next 12 months look like for you? 
Yeah, I think that the, the base uh, in initiatives, in addition to biomass combustion, uh, the, the, the two areas that I'm really focusing are recovery and use of waste heat. So looking for uh, opportunities to recover and utilize high-grade waste heat. And then also, of course, building on what we know uh, in terms of biogas recovering and using wet organic matter uh, to generate biogas and then RNG with anaerobic digesters. So, so that's kind of the, those are the three kind of base areas, uh, biomass, combustion, um, conversion of waste heat, and then wet matter. But the two, the two areas that are really the most exciting to me that really helped me get out of bed at, in the morning is the, some of the emerging technologies to convert solid, dry waste to hydrogen uh, using new technology that's emerging here in Canada that we're party to. And then finally, the significant developments on using solar energy uh, to produce high-grade thermal energy. So not solar for you know just PV, but solar thermal technologies. Those are the two areas that really are um, just really exciting to me to be um, some new hydrogen reduction technology that we're we're working on is is really exciting. And then finally, um, what's going on stateside on the uh, the development of uh, solar thermal projects. Mm -hmm. And not just not just I'm not just talking about like low grade, low temperature hot water. I'm talking about high grade thermal energy from the sun. So cool. that, that those are some really exciting areas for me. Both of those. Well, um, so so just to confirm, you'll uh, all of that excitement. You'll come back into work uh, on January fourth <laughs> on Monday. <laughs> for sure, and, and, and probably between Christmas and New Year's. Wow, okay, a little bit, a little bit here and there. Excellent. Well, thank you all, uh, Lisa. Uh, um, before I kind of close, any, any, as, as my uh, able uh, uh, and gracious uh, co-host this morning, uh, any kind of closing thoughts as we uh, thank these folks and their predecessors and and, and move move on to our eggnog and. <laughs> no, I think this is great. Um, you know, it's I think you know, especially in Martin's case, he, you know, where he. Uh, for years, he visited Europe every year. He really gets, uh, you know, gets the European technologies. He's referred to CEM multiple times as being an agent of technology transfer. Um, it's really neat to see what he's doing here for our firm as our VP of CO2 reduction. Um, so looking forward to, you know, learning, continuing to learn from him uh, as one of the best and uh, and certainly from Dave as well in Western Canada. So it's just, I think it's all very exciting, um, you know, in terms of some of the changes that we're seeing and, uh, you know, where CM is going. So looking forward to 2021. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you to, to Lisa uh, for being my co-host. Uh, thank you. We have a, a new person uh, behind the glass. Uh, Natalie Tardif has helped us. Mark Charbonneau is already, uh, already into his vacation. So uh, thank you to, uh, to Martin Lensink and to Dave Rorda. Uh, Kevin Van Berkel, Joe Pereira, Yugoba uh, Io, and uh, Alex Quinlan. Uh, thank you all, and, and and many others on the CEM team that, that couldn't be part of it. And thank you to our clients and to our listeners. Uh, we've had a, a fun year here on Energy Radio, and uh, it's been a been a delight and a fun way to cap off the year. So thank you to all of you, and a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays and a healthy and prosperous um, and energy filled uh, 2021. Take care. <laughs>